plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, the fun is going to happen today. It is Wednesday, and that means Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm in a sing-song mood, I guess. Hello, Power Partners. This is our informational playground, Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel, and the show is brought to you by Be the Star You Are 501c3 charity. So we hope that you will visit that website because we are celebrating our 20th year at Be The Star You Are and taking donations so that we can help those in need, especially those that are are affected by disasters. And I was going to say going to be affected by disasters. We just want to be prepared. We we hope there aren't any more disasters, but we know that couldn't be a possibility. So uh, go to bethestarur.org and make a a donation today. And this quote is by Audrey Hepburn. For beautiful eyes, look for the good in others. For beautiful lips, speak only words of kindness. And for poise, walk with the knowledge that you are never alone. And you've probably heard that before, but it's such a very, very lovely quote that um, I thought that I should just bring it to you uh, once again. I actually had the the honor, the privilege, the excitement of working on a film with Audrey Hepburn. And she was as elegant and charming as uh, you've always read that she is. So what's our show about today? All right. Well, we are going to talk about how or when you meet a best friend. And although people find friends throughout their lives, according to a really large survey, age 21 seems to be the average age when best friends connect. And we're going to find out why the 20s are a prime time to discover who your soulmates will be probably for the rest of your life. And it is the height of summer. Mosquitoes, yellow jackets, flies, ticks, they're not only a nuisance, they can cause you dire health issues. Spiders are more active and ants threaten picnic with infestation. So we'll talk about less uh, toxic controls that you can use to protect yourself and your family and some strategies for detection and prevention of of all these things that could bug you. That's coming up um, in uh, segment three. And we'll also uh, touch on, I'm hoping I can talk a little bit about Franco Zeffirelli, who died not too long ago, who made the wonderful movie Romeo and Juliet back in the 60s that kind of introduced everyone to Shakespeare. And also how to uh, let your kids know that no matter how hard we work, It doesn't always mean you're going to succeed. So although, you know, I believe in hard work, we also have to understand that some things are out of our control. So those are just some of the topics. But right now, we're going to talk about interior design. Have you ever thought about hiring an interior designer to help you with the design of your home or your office? Do you know the difference between a designer and a decorator? Do you have a particular style that you gravitate to you. Well, I hope that you have these questions and I hope that I will be able to provide some of the answers to find help you find that right uh, person for your project. Uh, for 25 years, I have been um, a professional American Society of Interior Designers, interior designer. I'm also certified in the state of California. And so there's lots and lots of things that individuals need to know. So some questions you can ask yourself before you hire an interior designer. Now, first of all, you want to find out if you're hiring a designer or a decorator. 
anyone can call themselves a decorator. You can literally just put a shingle outside, make a business card, and call yourself a decorator. Doesn't mean you have any qualifications or that you understand layout or safety or room um, room design or architecture or any of those things. Now, a, a professional interior designer has gone through uh, several years of schooling as well as uh, several years of practice before that they can become a professional interior designer. And the main reason to get a designer is, you know, space planning and really safety issues too because there's all kinds of codes out there and you want to make sure that you're doing doing everything correctly. Now, if you're just styling a new room um, or just, you know, adding some paint or something, it may not be so necessary, but you don't want to make, well, you know, you don't want to make any, I don't want to say any mistakes because mistakes are inevitable, but you want to make a minimal amount of mistakes. I know many of my design clients in the past would go out and buy all these furnishings and rugs and stuff and they get them home and nothing worked together. And so then they would hire me to try to pull a, a look together. And so this is what you need to know. If you are styling a new room, renovating an existing one, or you just want to bring, you know, some really great new style to your home, something that's really going to be aesthetically pleasing. And that can be a challenge for any space. And that's when some people will start to consider hiring a professional. And if you're looking at working with a a professional interior designer, here are some questions you want to ask yourself first to make sure it's the right decision for you. Find out what is your style. Do you like Scandinavian, industrial, shabby chic, mid-century modern? Or do you like vintage? Do you like Victorian? You know, what is it that really speaks to you? Now, if you get a good designer, that designer can provide guidance if you're not sure what is the look that you're going for. But knowing what styles that you gravitate to, knowing what you like and dislike, can make some important um, guidelines that can be really helpful to you to make sure that you end up with a finished product that you're really, really happy with. And, you know, one of the best ways to narrow it down is, of course, there's places, you know, uh, Pinterest or Instagram, but I'm still like the old-fashioned way of magazines of um, getting style magazines and home decor magazines and tearing out what you really like and then you can make a storyboard from it and it's so interesting because you'll find that your tastes change over the years I've always when I was looking to put together my own personal house I started collecting things and I had files for every single room and details and you know even for bedding and window treatments and all of those things and by the time I actually did it, my, my thought process had kind of changed. So it was very easy to go through and decide what I wanted and what I didn't. Now, what do you need help with? You can do it yourself. You know, you can go to House. Uh, that's a, a great website. There are a lot of designers on there. And you can get just a lot of great ideas. Or you can hire a full-service interior designer who's going to handle everything, every step of the way from the concept to the execution. But most people tend to do something in between. Now, every designer has his or her strengths and specialties. So it's important to know what skills you're going to need before you choose the designer. And before you hire a designer, you want to make sure that they're the best fit for you and for your project. Uh, It's good to get referrals from friends or maybe the best referrals are going to be from a design that you've liked it at uh, someone else's home or if it's an office, you might ask who their professional is. Now, it can feel like dating sometimes, trying to interview and choose an interior designer, because the initial meetings can be really awkward. You you want that designer to understand you, to get you, and the thing about it is you really are looking for a long-term relationship, because what happens with a designer, and it's really the same with a contractor if you are remodeling or building a project 
is they really need to know everything about you. It's a very intimate relationship because in order for you as the client to get the best possible outcome, you have to let that designer into your inner heart, your inner circle, and and let them really, really know what you love and what you really, really don't like. Now, a few questions you could ask are, what kind of degrees did you earn? In the pool of practice designers, there are interior designers and there are interior decorators, as I said. Interior designers earn a degree that will include coursework in architecture. And as I said, we have to be licensed. An interior designer has to be licensed. An interior decorator doesn't have to have any qualifications and has likely uh, maybe just gained experience another way. But they're not licensed. It's like... If you were to go to a doctor, you would vet your doctor and make sure that that doctor was licensed and had actually gone to school. Well, vet your interior designer. If you just want a decorator and you have a friend that knows how to do it, that's totally fine. But it depends on the scope of your project. If you're remodeling and you're gutting a bathroom or you're adding on a room, you better hire someone with some architectural experience and some formal education and someone who you know that you'll be able to depend on. Now, uh, I don't know. A lot of people say that if you're a really good designer, you can capture anyone's style exactly. And I don't think I totally agree with that. And the reason being is that designers do have a specialty. And if you have the option, maybe you'll be able to see the designer's own home or at least their portfolio. And maybe the budget may be more or less than yours, but it's a good indication of their aesthetic. You know, find out what the, how the, what the designer really, really likes the most. Like, I really love classical. I mean, I've done some very contemporary modern designs, and I mean, I've done all different kinds of designs, but if anyone really asks me what I like for me, I like high ceilings, I like crown moldings, I like lots of wood uh, finishes, I like real materials, I like stone and granite and, uh, and wood and marble, I'm not into plastics, and I want comfort above all else. I like things that are really, really comfortable. And so there's a lot of furniture out there that's very chic and very cool, but it wouldn't be my idea. Now, if that's what a client wants, I would take them to all the places to show them, but it's not what I want. So sometimes you might want to just get a designer who is exactly on the same wavelength as you. If you want a real clean, modern look, maybe that's the kind of designer find out if that's what they do. Uh, Do you have examples of work that are similar in style, scope, and budget? That's a question that you want to ask. So if you're going with someone, you want to ask them about that because if they do, that's a good indication that they can handle your project. And if they don't have a similar project, ask if they can pull images of a project that they feel is similar. And that's a real good conversation starter because you're going to find out – about if it's a mix of high and low, meaning that it means the exact same to both of you because sometimes uh, things get lost in translation. You want to ask how they document and share the work. Some designers will mention that they do detailed drawings. They might do a floor plan, interior elevations. They might have a schedule for you about when decisions have to be made about materials. And they might make a presentation board with samples for you. Now, documentation is important because every item that's specified really does need to be on a master spreadsheet that is shared with the client. And then to keep track of all this information, it's reasonable to have regular meetings in addition to the phone calls and the emails. You may also want to ask if an architect um, and a designer will meet regularly on the project. Now, if you have your own architect, you have to make sure that, that the architect and the interior designer see eye to eye. Sometimes an architect wants to do the interior design as well. So 
you want to be really clear on who's going to handle what so you're not being double billed or you're getting conflicting information. You Next question, of course, this is probably one of the questions that everybody always wants to ask is how do you charge for your services and when are my payments due? Charging hourly is actually the most straightforward, but uh, for many, many years, uh, designers charged a percentage of the overall budget, especially if it's a large project. And either way, you want to kind of get an estimate and a clear, consistent schedule for payment. If something takes longer than the designer told you, then um, you need to know how it's going to be, how your time is going to be billed. And uh, if permission is going to be needed, you know, for other things, if the designer doesn't mention any policy, ask if they will, because you really don't want any surprises. Now, the one thing that I noticed uh, in all the years that I was doing design is how projects grew. And that meant is that we would have a scope of a project. Maybe it would just be, you know, redesigning or updating a small bathroom. And then as that was getting going, the client may want to add some upscale fixtures. So that added to the budget. And it also adds to the timeline of completion. And then maybe they'd want some accessories that they didn't originally have. So you just have to be aware of all of those things. You want to ask how the project uh, budget is going to be managed. There should be some kind of system in, in place, like a line item spreadsheet that the client has access to. And if you as a client cannot spend a, a penny over your budget, you have to know from the get-go um, what your budget is down to the penny and be really honest with that designer because if you are picking out something for $100 a square foot and you only have $35 a square foot to uh, use, then you're going to be getting billed for time that's going to be wasted because you can't afford that $100 a square foot. So most designers don't want to do any buying at all until all the pieces are in place. Ask how much time you think will be required and when you think there might be a completion date. Now, again, what you want to know is, is your designer, and this goes for the architect too, are they booked for the next six months or are they going to be able to start on your project right away? Have they already committed to others? Are they going to be able to give you the time that you need? And use that answer to determine if they have the time to communicate with you on a weekly basis or a daily basis or whatever basis is important to you. And communicate that. Communication, communication, communication. Those are the three most important things that you can do when you are booking a designer. Now, where do you find your inspiration? You know, a building code is non-negotiable. So your designer should take continuing education classes and attend appropriate trade events and seminars for that uh, that purpose. And the reason, um, if if your designer is a member of American Society of Interior Designers, then it's required that they have what are called CEUs. And then, of course, then you can go to the magazines and blogs and Pinterest and all of that to do whatever it is that you want. And you want to also communicate what being successful is going to mean to you. Does that mean that when people come over, they say how beautiful your house is? Or does it mean that you're just so happy in your space that it reflects your personality? It functions with your lifestyle. Whatever it is, that's what success is going to mean. And you have to communicate that. So just to wrap it up, a good designer will be able to uh, get out of you by guiding you through photos Asking questions about what's already in your home, what's in your closet, what type of artwork you like, you know, the colors you like, the things you don't like. Uh, They want to know, you know, no is a complete answer. So if they show you something and you really don't like it, you don't want to say, oh, yeah, that's okay. You want to absolutely say, no, that's not my thing. So complete honesty. 
And you have to be able to give input. It probably sounds appealing to hand off a room or a home to a designer and come back to a finished space. And that's fine if you are, uh, you know, you're ready for turnkey. But if you're not, you need to be able to make decisions and to be able to make them quickly. And if you are not ready to be decisive, then maybe you better do it yourself. Now, if you have gone through all these questions that I've already posed, you might have a good idea of whether or not you should hire a designer and what to ask the designer and what you're looking for. And just remember budget because interior designers, like most professionals, can tailor their offering to your budget as long as you know what it is and you tell them. And make sure you're prepared with a number or a range because uh, many designers might ask for an amount in a lump sum. And if you need um, more tips on how to determine your budget, you just want to think that through and write down everything that you're spending right now and how much is left over for your to maximize your decorating budget. So good luck with your decorating, and I hope that you find the right designer for you. We will be going to a break, and when we come back, we will have more on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You are listening to Cynthia Bryan. And we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. Don't go away. Be the star you are. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling Well, since we were in the house, I thought we'll go into the garden right now. And I'm going to ask you what is bugging you. So many plants of many kinds with birds singing on the bushes and various insects flitting about and worms crawling through the damp earth. Charles Darwin said that, and I thought that kind of accompanied um, all the things that I think about in the garden. Well, this last week, it is really hot here in uh, Northern California. I think it's 106 today, and um, I know that it's hotter in other places, probably uh, in Arizona, <laughs> but but that's pretty hot for Northern California. But So 23 honeybees... 10 lady beetles, five lizards, three frogs, and several spiders. That was just what I rescued within two hours on a very hot day this past week um, from swimming in a pool, and it just kept mounting. I really was afraid to leave the water, lest many of my friends that live in the garden would drown. You know, it is summer, and the flying insects, the creepy crawlies, and the slithering creatures, they are in abundance. And the ones I want to save are the ones that are garden guardians. Now, here are the good guys, bees. We have all heard about the colony collapse disorder, which is affecting honeybees worldwide. And we have, um, it's very important to protect all our bees. We cannot confuse honeybees with the carnivorous yellow jackets. Bees, bumblebees, and yellow jackets are, yes, all pollinators, but honeybees and bumblebees don't attack humans unless they are stepped on, slapped, swatted, or threatened. What they are doing is gathering pollen, and the honeybees are making their honey while keeping our fruit, our flowers, and our vegetables reproduced. Lady beetles, these are also the good guys. Now, there are lady beetles and man beetles, also known as ladybugs, uh, but they are, there are both male and female. 
Did you know there are over 450 species of ladybugs in the United States alone? Now, they are voracious consumers of aphids, caterpillars, lace bugs, mealybugs, scale, white flies, and mites. Now, lady beetles are perhaps the most beloved of all insects, and even though you can purchase them for your garden, they will fly away when their food level declines. An adult will eat over 5,000 aphids in her lifetime. And you know that thing, you know, uh, about the ladybug, you know, fly away, fly away. Well, if, if you don't have ladybugs, you know, in your garden, it means that you don't have a food source. So as much as we like ladybugs, if you if they're not there, that probably means you don't have any of those pests that I just said. The other good guys, lizards. Don't be afraid of these garden helpers. Lizards are carnivores. They are not plant eaters. So you are so fortunate if you have lizards in your yard. They're going to eat the beetles, the ants, the wasps, the aphids, and the grasshoppers. Now, they like to bask in the sun, and they'll also shelter under rocks or in the mulch. Predators to lizards do include cats, snakes, and birds. I have thousands, I mean, literally, I think, thousands of lizards on my property. I mean, they're everywhere, but I'm always so happy to see them. And uh, sometimes, you know, they're without a tail, and then the tail can grow back. But um, they are a wonderful uh, garden helper. So don't be afraid of lizards. And don't try to catch them. Just let them do their thing. Frogs. Both frogs and toads are amphibians living on both land and in water. They need moisture to survive, and they prey upon snails, slugs, and other insects. However, if they fall into a swimming pool without a way to escape, they will drown. Now, that's you would think that they wouldn't, but if they have nothing to climb onto, they will drown. In one summer, a single toad may devour over 10,000 pests. Just think about that. Now, some species of toads eat mosquito larvae, which is great. And like our lizard friends, pets, birds, and snakes enjoy them as a meal. So enjoy their choral music at dusk. I just love listening to the croaking of the frogs and their uh, mating dances because they're calling to each other. Spiders. Spiders are good. Fear of spiders is one of the most common phobias, even though most spiders do not bite humans. The two biting spiders with venom that can be fatal to humans are the black widow and the brown reculus. Now, spiders are not insects. Spiders are arthropods, as they have eight legs. And as happy hunters, they are excellent garden pest control managers, actually considered to be the most beneficial and efficient insect eradicator in our landscapes. So when you see a spider web, admire its delicate intricacy. Don't destroy it. Now, let me just talk about inside your home for a moment, because we were talking about interior design. Spiders are helping eradicate more invasive bugs. Spiders don't carry diseases like mosquitoes or ticks. So don't freak out when you see spiders in your house. A fact, um, a scientific fact is there probably is not a home anywhere in the world that doesn't have spiders in it. Now, if you see webs, you know, cobwebs and they're bothering you, Uh, Or, you know, they're just making your house look like a haunted house. Yes, of course, get rid of them. But you don't have to worry about um, spiders hurting you. People are always worried about spiders biting them, you know, while they're sleeping or that kind of thing. And that it's really, really pretty rare. Uh, So as long as it's not a brown recluse or a black widow spider, you're probably going to be okay. So to keep the good guys attracted to your landscape, Eliminate pesticides, insecticides, and chemicals. And companion planting with a diversity of species will provide a variety of of stocking and dining options. And make sure to offer shelters of mulch, rocks, small branches, and, of course, a water source. Now, the bad guys. I'm not doing the ugly. I'm just doing the good, the bad. (laughs) Mosquitoes. Oh, yikes. Mosquito bites. 
they cause such puffy red bumps that can itch for a week or longer. But worse than the itching, um, the mosquitoes are vectors for West Nile virus, and that can transmit to humans. Empty any standing water around your garden, you know, and punch draining holes in containers. If you have old tires sitting around, you know, empty them out. Mosquitoes love, love, love to... um, to have their larvae and to birth themselves in old tires. Change bird baths daily or add a recirculating pump. If you have a swimming pool or a hot tub, keep it effectively chlorinated. And also, this is a big one. You need to check for leaky faucets. It only takes a few days for the larva to mature. Now, if you're in a county where vector control is available at no charge, and you have a pond, you can call them and add the mosquito fish. They are called Gambusia affinis, and uh, the mosquito fish eat the larvae, and they actually, they will uh, reproduce in your pond. And if you are near um, uh, a creek or something, some vector controls will spray for you. Yellow jackets, although yellow jackets do help with pollination, they are scavengers for meat and sugary food, and they disrupt like picnics and summer outdoor activities and those wonderful barbecues that we enjoy throughout the summer. A big no-no is never squash a yellow jacket. When they are crushed, they emit a chemical that calls to other yellow jackets to attack. So for every yellow jacket you smash, you're going to get a horde more. You're going to get an army or a navy or I guess it would be an air force, right? No, yeah, it'd be an air force of yellow jackets that are going to come to attack you. Um, They also build nests in abandoned burrows, in eaves, and in bushes. And because their sting is so potent and painful, if you find a nest, and it usually is in the ground, or in a in bushes somewhere, call that vector control for eradication if you have it in your county. And if not, you'll probably have to call a an extermination because you will not be able to get rid of it. When I had to call vector control for yellow jackets, they found three um, places where I had them. Well, I actually found them because I got stung by uh, by twelve yellow jackets within you know 10 seconds it was terrible and I swelled all up it was so painful and I had to keep watching myself to make sure I wasn't going into anaphylactic shock I was okay but some people are really really allergic and I mean it can be like a bee sting the thing with yellow jackets is they can sting you multiple uh, times if a bee stings you then it loses its stinger and it dies if a yellow jacket stings you it can just keep on stinging you and that is a, a, a really bad thing. But um, I, when I called Vector Control, they came out. I thought I had one burrow, and they found two. And they have to put, they have to put on a whole bee suit, and they spray into the hole. And they said the queen could be somewhere like 40 feet away. So anything that you're going to buy at the hardware store isn't going to get rid of them. You could, may, it might help a little bit, but it's not going to get rid of them. The next bad guy, ticks. Now, Lyme disease is one of the fastest growing epidemics with over 300,000 diagnoses occurring annually in the United States alone. And summer is the most likely time to be bitten by a tiny deer tick. They are parasites. They feed on blood. They live in brush piles, leaf litter, lawns, tree stumps, ground cover, stone or brick walls. They even have been found on picnic tables and benches. It's important to wear tick repellent clothing when outside. And after being outdoors, conduct a full body check. Take a shower, put your clothes in a hot dryer for 30 minutes to kill any ticks, then wash your clothes. I know, I know, it seems weird to dry your clothes first, then wash them, but you see the heat of the dryer kills the ticks, whereas evidently putting them in the wash, they can survive that. So also check your pets. Ticks can be hard to find, and they can linger in your hair, your clothing, and the pet fur. And if you find a tick, don't twist it or turn it. Use sanitized pointed tweezers to grab the tick and pull it straight out 
Then wash the bite, apply antiseptic, save the tick fry identification, and seek medical attention. I had, I was in the hospital or emergent, I was in the hospital, emergency room, or urgent care three times already this year because of tick bites that were in my neck so close to an artery that they had to be surgically removed. And um, the bump lasted, after they were removed, it lasted for a very long time and itched. It was, it was, they're terrible. Fortunately, I didn't have Lyme disease. Now, the bad guys are on my danger watch out list. Mosquitoes are my nemesis, inflicting gigantic itching bites with bumps that last for two weeks or more. And in the last year, as I said, I stumbled upon three yellow jacket nets and I suffered all those stings on my hand and arms with swelling that uh, didn't abate until after a week. So the good guys I'll continue to rescue as they are my garden watchdogs, along with the numerous birds and hummingbirds that thankfully are not nosediving. So what's bugging you? Now, here are a couple of tips for gardening in August. Again, contact Vector Control for assistance with mosquitoes, rats, skunks, and yellow jackets. Protect yourself with a hermiffin-treated clothing and bug repellent. I found relief with Insect Shield, insectshield.com. Um, I should be doing a commercial for them. They should hire me. I really love them. Plan a trip to a national park. Upcoming days for free admittance are August 25th and September 28th. And uh, you can go to uh, nps.gov, find a park to find out a park anywhere in the United States. A good thing if you're a senior, you can buy a lifetime entry pass for about $80. You can um, take advantage of uh, Renee's Garden Seeds is having a a 20% discount on all its new introductions through 818. And uh, you can use the code NEW20. Then fill a saucer with water to set in your garden for the butterflies, bees, lizards, and other small creatures. Because in this hot weather, they need to hydrate. And a shallow saucer allows them to drink without drowning. If you have any low-hanging branches on redwoods, pines, cedars, and other trees, prune them now as a fire protection maintenance. If you have magnolia blooms, they are so pretty cut and put in a vase. They last for several days. The leaves will stay green for two weeks or more. So that's kind of a, a nice thing to do. And then um, caution when walking or playing on lawns planted with clover because the honeybees are actually out there feeding at this time of year. Continue to deadhead spent blossoms on perennials and roses and make sure to eat fresh fruit as it ripens and pick up any fruit that falls on the ground because you want to discourage that scourge of rodents. And, you know, savor the summer sky, relax on your patio or balcony or go to a friend's house and, and enjoy the outdoors. We have uh, just a, not too much time left while we can enjoy this summertime. So that's it for this segment. Just remember what's bugging you. If you need more information about that, you can find information at my website, CynthiaBryan.com forward slash gardening. Or just go to CynthiaBryan.com and look on the headers and you'll find it there. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. And I will be right back with a business bite. So don't go away. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. What are the guidelines for truly effective leaders? The essence of outstanding leadership. It's not charisma or leadership qualities, but it's performance. Executives who are truly effective leaders set goals for their companies. They set priorities to reach those goals. They set standards and hold fast to them in their own actions and behaviors. Following specific guidelines enables an executive to be consistent. And only when leaders' personal actions are compatible with the goals they set for others and their organizations can they earn the trust of those who must work towards those goals. True leaders make decisions and then follow through on their promise. Excellent leaders don't say, do as I say. They encourage, 
do as I do. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's Cynthia Bryan, Bryan with an I, dot com. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out. This is just another informational day, a power party for all of you. I find this so interesting. I'm sure that all of you have a best friend, or maybe you have several best friends, but at what age did you actually meet that best friend? Have you ever actually thought about it? I know for me, when I was young, uh, you know, it was like my siblings were kind of my best friends and my animals, because I lived out uh, on a ranch way out in the country. And, uh, you know, I had I had acquaintances and friends and I had a lot of cousins, which were also what I considered best friends. But it really wasn't until college for me that I met my actual best friends, who are still my best friends to this day. Now, people find close friends throughout their life from childhood to retirement, but In a very recent large international survey commissioned by Snap Inc., the social media company, you know, defined a best friend as someone you share everything with, 21 emerged as the average age people meet their best friend. Now, variations obviously showed up over the generations and results in the United States skewed a few months younger than the overall uh, for the world. Millennials typically meet their best friends at around 17. For baby boomers, the average age was higher, like 29 or 30. And of course, people often have more than one best friend. This study found an average of three or four. Uh, Still, the early 20s are prime friendship years. For good reason, experts say. It's often the point when people are for the first time on their own, they're in a new job or a new community, and they're looking to connect with others. You're, you know, you're exposed to a large pool of people, and all these people are having similar experiences and similar uh, life challenges, so it's kind of a good way to connect with other people. Also, in your 20s, you tend to have more free time. The majority of those in their early 20s are single. They don't have kids. And um, they may not have a really demanding career yet, which means they can hang out with each other more. Because to develop a real relationship, something that's going to be a best friend, you have to put in time. And it's at that period of life that you have the most probably the most incredible amount of it. And I can think about that too. In my college days, even though uh, I was taking, you know, um, seven different courses, I was taking 21 units and I was working full time um, on, somehow I still felt that I had time for friends and it's different. I mean, it just gets different, I think, as you get older. Now, um, Jeff Hall, who's a professor of communication studies at the University of Kansas, researched how many hours it takes to make a friend. 
and found it takes 40 to 60 hours to form just a casual acquaintance with a stranger. And it takes more than 200 hours for that stranger to become a friend. So that, I found that very fascinating. So while, while childhood and teen friends are often defined you know, by the neighborhood where you grew up or the school you attend, people in their 20s are more selective because you're looking for someone who really gets you. You want to have um, chemistry with somebody. You want that instant connection that feels easy and natural. And the good news about when you're 20 or in your 20s is you have a stronger sense of self than you did when you were a teen. And you usually can make decisions about who is good for you and you can weed out the people who can't be trusted or the ones that are going to be backstabbers or, you know, the ones that are going to be jealous or whatever it is. And, of course, in our teen years, especially for girls, there's so much jealousy and there's so, you know, it's that mean girl um, situation. So in the early 20s, it's often the time of years that um, you have all those important firsts. It might be your first real job, your first apartment, your first love. And so then you're going to feel this heightened emotional connection with those that you share these moments with. So um, the survey of 10,000 people that was commissioned by Snap Inc. looked at friendship in nine different countries. And these are the findings on best friends. And this is just an average. So the average age that people met their best friend was 21. But listen to this. For Gen Xers... Um, age 13 to 23, they met their best friend between age 13 and 23. Um, for millennials, the age to meet their best friend was 37, I mean, excuse me, was uh, 17.9. And wait a minute, I have to go back. I said this wrong. Gen Xers, met their best friends at approximately age 12.9 or age 13. And Gen, Gen, um, oh, no, I'm wrong again. Gen Z, Gen Z, uh, who right now are age 13 to 23, they met their best friends at around 12 and a half to 13. Millennials, who are now 24 to 39, they met their best friends around 17.9 to 18. Gen X, who are in the 40 to 54, they met their best friends at around 23.8 or 24 years old. And baby boomers, who are 55 to 75, met their best friends at around 29 to 30. So I found that really pretty fascinating. Okay, a little bit about Franco Zeffirelli. Um, in the 1950s and 60s, Zeffirelli, he made his name with some really great stage productions of operas like La Traviata, La Boheme, Aida. But most people know Zeffirelli, who died this past year. He was eight, 96 as a film director, largely because of the Shakespearean adaptation he made in 1968. It was Romeo and Juliet, starring real-life teenagers Leonard Whiting and Olivia Hussey. And if you haven't seen it, you should rent it because it is really beautiful. And he brought just visual and emotional opulence to both his opera and his film productions. But he also faced controversy because um, there were allegations of sexual assault, which his family refutes. And he was a very conservative Catholic, and he publicly supported the church's anti-homosexuality stance. But then in 1996, he came out as gay, although he never he preferred not to speak about his personal life. But, you know, in art, he, ha he was, had a taste for excess, and in life, he was very complicated. But try to rent that movie, I think, Romeo and Juliet. You will really, really enjoy it. And just a, a last thing to end the show about um, talking to your kids about hard work. 
You know, there's a lot about resilience, and I know I was always taught, too, if you work hard and you believe in it, you know, it's like conceive, believe, achieve. But the thing about it is, is hard work alone doesn't get to get you where you want to go because we can't control everything. So we have to reset our mindsets and know that we can work really hard, but also know that just life can get in the way. And you don't want to have your kids getting depressed or feeling feeling like they're in a pressure cooker because they're working so hard and, you know, they're trying to be perfect, which perfect, there is no perfect. We can only strive for excellence. And then when all that hard work doesn't work out, they get um, very, very sad and depressed and, you know, it could lead to substance abuse and these feelings of inferiority. So the point is don't give our our kids a pass on uh, working hard. We want them to work hard, but please tell them don't fantasize that they can control everything by working hard because stuff happens in life, and that's the way it goes. So that's our show for today. Thank you for joining me every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific right here on Voice America Network the Empowerment Channel, where we do try to help you change your life and make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style Productions, visit CynthiaBryan.com. You can buy all of my books there and get a lot of information that, uh, that we do about the show. Also, for Be The Star You Are charity, visit BTSYA.org. And I hope that you will make a donation for our 20th anniversary. Until next week when we celebrate once again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. For Star Style, I thank you and encourage you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Have a marvelous week. Stay cool and be here on Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.